0: Welcome or welcome back to Will Act for Change, the podcast where we discuss advocacy and activism in theater and film arts. I'm your host, Kat Kemet, and today we are joined by Maisie Clompus, an LA-based actress from San Francisco, known for her effervescent personality as much as for her talent. Maisie is an accomplished actress whose work ethic and passion for the arts has led to career success in television. She starred in some of TV's top shows, such as Abbott Elementary, Supergirl, Hunters, Goliath, and Insecure, although most would probably recognize her as Rachel from the Freeform original series Good Trouble. Outside of her impressive TV and film resume, Maisie regularly performs in theaters across Los Angeles, including in the award-winning Los Angeles LGBT Center's production of Hit the Wall. Welcome to the show, Maisie. I am so glad to have you here. Hey,
1: it was great to to be here, Kat. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. Um, So I first met you when we were both working with Open Door Shakespeare doing Macbeth. Mm -hmm. What brought you to that project?
1: Um, So that was actually a little bit of a fluke. Um, I was going to see a play with Shailen Zanotti, who we love, and She was talking to me about some Shakespeare project that she was a part of, and I thought that she was asking for, um, like, analysis help for a Shakespeare scene in Macbeth. And I said, sure, yeah, no problem. And I uh, didn't realize I was signing myself up to be in the play. (laughs) Um, But I was actually really excited because Shakespeare has always been something that I've been really attracted to and very intimidated by. So... Mm -hmm when I realized I had unwittingly accepted a role I was like you know what let's roll with it and um yeah I'm so glad that I did and I've been just having the time of my life with Open Door Shakespeare yeah it's I look forward to it
0: isn't that the best way to get a role though by accident
1: yeah 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 just (laughs) just like fail upwards yeah (laughs) yeah no it was great um Yeah, I'm really glad that Shay thought of me and that it's such such a welcoming environment. Alice is, you know, the best fearless leader. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, but that's that's how that happened.
0: (laughs) From that, I started to learn more about what you were working on outside of that project. And you've had a really impressive career in TV so far um how do you feel that tv and theater kind of differ in their approach to speaking about current issues so
1: i guess what i would say for that is that i feel like theater tends to lean more towards general human truths that can be uh that sure have a very specific place in time but can be expanded and repeated for decades and centuries. Mm-hmm. And whereas TV is, can be very much more ripped from the headlines, you know, that's where Law & Order gets all of their stuff is just from current day. And I, I feel like film and television is much more uh, concentrated on the present moment and the zeitgeist and whatever is happening currently in a, in a I guess, in a sharper way.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I think that makes sense. Um, kind of like, because theater is meant to be something that is repeated, mm-hmm. regardless of where you are, it has a more timeless sense to it versus TV and film. Um, it has to apply to the the here and now yeah. and so it can be dated and cannot be dated. Yeah, it,
1: absolutely. And, and, yeah. and also, um, I feel like theater is much more dynamic and film and television is static. Just in that when you it's when you it's one person's representation of this one role and this was their um, portrayal on this day you know and that's what is edited together. Whereas theater, you can change a story entirely based off of the casting and based off of costumes and based off of the time period that you set it in, and so it it can make something like Shakespeare incredibly current. And specific Mm -hmm. to modern times, just based off of, um, like, peripheral dressing and casting. Right. Yeah.
0: In your experience, do audiences typically relate to different things? Or is there a commonality to what people respond to in, in, in TV audiences versus, say, theater audiences?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, what people respond to is... A story that moves them and either in which they can get lost in or they see a reflection of themselves in the times really clearly um so yeah so i think that ultimately it's just about it's about the story and um you know, that's why people binge TV. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I can I can eat, the, you know, 12 hours of this and, and it becomes your world. And that's like, it's reading a book. It's like, that's what you dive into for the weekend. And, you know, theater, it is it is much more bite-sized, but you're there with the people breathing the same air as them. And that's super powerful. You know how potent that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I feel like that, I think about, there are theater performances that I think about 15 years down the line more than I think about for TV because you can revisit that whenever you want to.
0: Right. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's limited in in encapsulated in that one point in time that you can only go back to and revisit in memory.
1: Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And there is something really special about being in the same room with other people who are there for this. And then, you know, these are real human living creatures that are breathing in front of you. And Mm -hmm. you're going through that with them in real time, instead of the separation between, you know, the screen that you have for, for television. But I mean, with that said, you get close-ups, and you get, it's just
0: a different beast, you know? Yeah. 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 No, you've done both comedy and drama you're pretty well-rounded actress in that way um (laughs) is there a difference in your opinion to how activism and advocacy relate to the genre you're playing is it different in comedy than it is for more dramatic or tragic roles huh um that's
1: a good question I feel like with comedy there is more freedom and permission to, um, comment on the character and what, you know, that's where the advocacy comes is the perspective and the portrayal of a character in a comedic, you you know, in a comedic way to highlight their, um, inadequacies. You know, you lean into that to show them as a clown, you know, versus, uh, what is the word? Drama. (laughs) Uh, it's it's more uh, you know you can be the villain it's so that's I feel like you can show failings of people through comedy as highlighting them as a clown and kind of showing this thing you know f- like a flag for people to notice and also laugh at and mm-hmm. in a in a way that is protective of themselves while they can be self-reflective <laughs> and and then with with drama it's more um this person is a villain or they're flawed and I think that there's more distance I don't know honestly maybe (laughs) I'm talking to my ass about this I yeah but it is like with comedy you can kind of you have more permission to highlight the person's flaws in a way that is that brings the audience in on the joke with you you have to find yourself in that person Mm -hmm. in a in a way that lets you as an actor play them without judgment maybe that's what it is maybe maybe yeah I think you can allow a little more (laughs) judgment a little more judgment as an actor (laughs) in comedy because you're looking for you're looking for the bits that people will laugh at at Mm -hmm. you know at the expense of of your person and with with drama you yeah you have to just be in that does that answer
0: your question at all it no does. Thing. It's interesting. I mean, this is something that's all always. Yeah. Uh, it's been something that I've never really landed on myself. So that's yeah. part why I asked it of you, to make yeah. you the guinea pig in this uh, in this scenario. Because um, it
1: is, you know, especially with with advocacy and as an actor, you don't get to choose your words, right? You know, and so there's there's only so much wiggle room within your your characters that you can that you can have to a certain extent um Mm -hmm. but it is about ultimately if you're lucky enough to be able to choose what kind of project you're on that that's really important for advocacy oh yeah yeah and yeah being able to choose what you want to lend your voice to what you want to amplify and what you think um does you know should be should be highlighted and and
0: yeah i think on that regard um good trouble as a show in general Mm -hmm. really speaks to that inequality and injustice in society today especially in working spaces Mm -hmm. um in your role as rachel you join in the walkout and come up with an app to help give like a sense of autonomy to yourself and others experiencing that inequality in the workplace
1: yeah
0: have you ever um I mean I'm sure you have just you know by proxy of being female in a workspace yeah yeah um, have you ever experienced moments where you had to fight to be taken seriously
1: yeah absolutely um you know it's so before uh you know my outside of acting I'm not currently uh because I've been really fortunate, but, um, my like survival job was a waiter. And so that has Mm -hmm. its own whole, you know, barrel of monkeys that you have to deal with, with that kind of stuff. Um, it's a, you know, a lot of interpersonal, you are serving someone, but you're not their servant. And Mm -hmm. there's, you know, I've had, I've had times where I've been, um, told some pretty ripe things, you know, either about my, my physical appearance or about, you know, my perceived ethnicity or, you know, any, any kind of thing like that. And it's hard because you, you do need to be um, welcoming to a certain, you know, look, look, we, we, we get paid by tips, so you have to be nice <laughs> you know, you got to be nice, but then it, at what, at what point do you stand up for yourself? And right. There have been, a, yeah. Um, I feel like I experienced it a little bit more in in that world than I have in in entertainment, which is pretty pretty lucky. Um, I have definitely had to advocate for myself before on set before, and you know it's hard, it's scary um, because actors are so disposable, and it, it's such. It's such um, a gift to be given a role, and you know it feels very precarious. Your hold on it, and so trying to vouch for yourself can be really harrowing. Yeah, Um, but ultimately, especially on set, you know they they treat actors with kid gloves in a lot of ways, but we are also you know, the doll is the last one in the dollhouse. Like you, we're kind of put last in a lot of other other regards. And so you do have to you do have to vouch for yourself, and you do have to say, um, you know, even if it's something as as small as I would like to take that again. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. that's huge, and especially as a woman, that's really hard to kind of take up space. Um, yeah, you know, and or say, you know, that wasn't okay with me. I would, you know. It's it's hard. It's it's yeah. hard. But you, it's um. He, just pretend. What I do is I pretend to be a braver person than I am. <laughs> and that's like, you know, it gets me as far, it, I've gotten this far, so. Yeah.
0: Um, how how have your values kind of influenced your career and the roles that you do choose? I feel like.
1: I've been pretty lucky in that the roles that I've been given and the roles that I've been able to play are not incredibly misaligned with my Mm -hmm. own sense of self and ethics and like my moral compass. And I think that's, I'm very, very lucky for that. And, you know, with that said, there is a lot of, there is a lot to be said to be cast as a villain, you know, Um, because it's about finding the humanity in that which is hard Um, and that's the job you know Um, Mm -hmm. yeah but I feel like yeah for the most part I'm trying to think I haven't yeah you know there the roles that I've had are about being your your authentic self and being your authentic self and not being not shying away from who you are as well as making sure that your voice is being heard mm-hmm. and that you are protecting the people that are closest to you. Right. And, and so that I feel that like I, it slots in pretty well with, you know, things I hold really dear, which is family and friends and, um, you know, not not squelching who i am to fit into an idea of what i think is acceptable right which is hard
0: yeah yeah Yeah. um going back to good trouble Mm -hmm. uh how similar would you say you are to rachel i know there are some aspects that are specifically there for comedic effect but there's some elements to wanting to participate in something that 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 moves the needle forward in a positive way
1: yeah absolutely i mean i um what's been so fun about being the same character for five years is you as the, the writers get to know you better they write you more into the script which is really fun um yeah, I mean I'm super nosy. Rachel is super nosy. She wants to be <laughs> in everybody's business. She sees everything. I'm very much like that. I'm always like eyes peeled just kind of seeing what's happening. Um I'm a terrible eavesdropper at restaurants, you know? Like <laughs> 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 you know, I just I'm very intrigued by everything around me. I think she is too. Um she's also she cares deeply about her friends and coworkers and mm-hmm. and I I definitely, um, yeah, I hold my friends really dear. They're hard to come by in a big town like this, you know, who'd think in a town full of so many people that it's, you would think it'd be easy to carve out your group, but it can be really isolating. And yeah. So I feel like my friends are hard one mm. and I feel like, you know, we have similarities in, in that way. Um, she dresses how I wish I could dress all the time if <laughs> I actually put effort in. Um, Dina, who is the the costume designer, she costume designed Austin Powers and, and Miss Congeniality. Like she's a big, big, big time. And, you know, bless her. I learned how to walk in heels because of, of this show. <laughs> you know, I'm five eight. I'm pretty tall. And um, she has me in three and a half inch heels. So I'm six feet on set. And these other girls are, you know, between five, one and 5'4 flat foot. And so I'm, I just like Goliath tower over them. Um, <laughs> so that's actually been pretty fun, which is that thing about forcing myself to take up more space. Mm-hmm. That's, that's something that I've been working on a lot. And when you're wearing a full circle skirt and four inch heels, you, you have to take up space. So, um, Yeah. But you know, I think that she. I think it, it's been really fun to be. To be a part of part of that show and, be able to see how this character grows and change changes within the, the confines of the workspace. Yeah.
0: Outside of. All of the work that you've done. Is there anything in particular, or any person in particular, that really inspires you as an actress? So I guess for actors who
1: inspire me, Mel Brooks is a huge inspiration. I love him. Like, yeah, we have to bubble wrap that man. We love him. He's so dear national, national treasure. Um, he's always been a huge inspiration for me. Uh, I think also if we're going a little more current day, Ann Dowd and Olivia Coleman are just two Mm -hmm. fantastic actors. Um, who both kind of hit at least the American scene a little bit later in their careers, you know, um yeah, obviously Livia Coleman has been working for decades in England, but she kind of came- broke out in the u s within the last like ten years, you know and yep. and it's so it's so cool and encouraging and heartening to see these women that um are working actors and are able to maintain success and careers into their 50s and into their 60s and um, we love to see it you know there's there you know, I've, I've read so many things about how as a man ages the number of words that he has in a script increase and a woman um the number of words that, like the highest number of words that they have tend to be when between like 25 and 30, and there's a precipitous decline after 35. Yeah, and um, I think that that is slowly changing, and and that is really exciting because yeah. who doesn't want to see old wrinkly women be fucking badasses? Like, <laughs> we see it with dudes, you know, and it's like the cragglier face, the better, and um, you know, it's like that kind of that the physical appearance of of male actors is not a deterrent for casting yeah and for women I think that's still some it's definitely changing and Mm -hmm. it's wonderful to see I think that there is still a bit of that um your value is in your beauty and your your value is in your youth and I mean like look let's get real and Dowd is beautiful and Olivia Coleman is beautiful, <laughs> you know, but they're also visibly not 20. Yeah. And, and also they're just fantastic actors. I could, I could watch them all day. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: so. These changes are, they're, they're hard won and they're slow going, yeah. but they are moving.
1: They are. And you see it with the younger kids too. Um, you know, Florence Pugh is shaped like a, like a normal human and she is cleaning up you know? um, So that's really heartening to see too.
0: Yeah. In reference to another show that you were a part of in Hunters, you were in an episode where a group of Jews are hiding within the walls of a sympathetic German household that is set upon by Nazis. And within the episode, you and others who are hiding come back to avenge the murdered family. What do you feel is the importance in storytelling of giving a sense of autonomy to the victims of Holocaust or of genocide in general?
1: It's hugely important. It's hugely important to show these people um, who are so ubiquitously portrayed as victims to to show them as multifaceted, fully formed humans who are also flawed in their own right. I think that um, the moment that you take away the possibility for a human to be flawed you are taking away their humanity and you're stepping into virtue signal signaling and fetishism <laughs> you know because yeah. people first and foremost are people and that and that means you are very you you're flawed and no one's perfect you know so there's that I mean with that said what was so wonderful about working on hunters was um david the the creator of the show david boyle he was inspired by his grandmother who was a survivor a holocaust survivor um he was inspired by her stories and as a kid he always saw them as kind of comic book characters like the jews were the superheroes and the nazis were the supervillains, and and that is totally suffused through through the um through the entirety of the show and so that helps a lot you know from the beginning these people have agency and they're not just these victims that are cowering they are people who have the conviction for survival and they will do what they have to and they also um still care deeply about you know in in our episode there's a little german boy who kind of gets caught in the crossfire and um they still acknowledge his humanity and his innocence and they protect him as much as they can. So, yeah. I think it's incredibly important to make sure that especially for roles where the main thing is uh, like of different of demographics where the main stories that are told about them are traumatic that you hold on to them as fully formed humans first and foremost.
0: How important is it for you as an actor to be part of a project that aims to make a difference?
1: I mean, it's it's really important. And it's I've been really lucky to be able to be a part of that. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. as an actor, you don't really get to choose. Unless, you know, what Michael Caine said, if you have the, you know, cho- like at the top, choose a role that means something incredibly to you that you feel works. And if you can't get that, then choose something that you would be happy to play. And if you can't get that, choose something that pays the rent. You know? Yeah. So I've I've been really fortunate in that I have been a I've been a I've been able to work on multiple projects where they are talking about something larger that is current or needs to be um spotlit. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's really wonderful that I've been able to be a part of these things. um yeah, yeah. it because it it does feel it feels important when you're on set and you're you're working on you know stuff like this. you it feels like what you're saying actually matters. It's not just it's not just entertainment it is also especially with good trouble you know it's a show for it's it's a very palatable way to teach young adults how to maneuver in the world that's basically you know that's how the, that's basically what the show is it's um like a gen z and millennial millennial palatable set like after school special mm-hmm. and and it's incredibly effective and you know sometimes On paper, it seems like it could be a little corny, but then when you're in there in the space and then you see it afterwards, you're like, these are messages that are straightforward that deal with really complex things in a really clear way. And um, it's helping to shape the next generation that's entering the workforce in a way that's empowering. And that's really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it feels really important. You know, even if it is like, you know, even if my mind is two wrongs don't make a right, it it works, you know? (laughs) So, yeah.
0: What do you hope for in uh, the future of film, TV, or theater?
1: I hope to see more faces in more shapes and sizes and colors. I want to see particular demographics. I want to see new stories you know we don't need to relegate people of color to their most vulnerable moments
0: mm-hmm. we
1: we can we can show people as fully functional fully formed you know intelligent without spotlighting like exclusively everything that that can go wrong if that makes sense like yeah i want i want stories be written about black women the way they're written about white men just i want to see empowered people that are not just white dudes um and i think that we're getting there honestly we're on the way you know there's a lot of room for growth but uh, the status quo that society that television is i want to see that for everybody and for other colors and faces and shapes and sizes and I think we're getting there um I would love to see that I would love to see some wacky ass comedy you know (laughs) like Judd Apatow did a lot for comedy in like 2006 and since then people have gotten in a rut for what is funny and they've lost uh the wonder of physical comedy Mm. and I feel like we're getting back into slapstick especially with I hate to say it tiktok and instagram you do see a lot more physical comedy kind of coming in and i hope i hope we get back to some like really weird wacky absurdist kind of stuff mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah i i i know it's kind of silly but the first thing that comes to mind um whenever i think of physical comedy in um in tv is Frazier. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um because i just think of the valentine's day episode that first five minutes was just fantastic um yeah uh, thank you so much for joining us i think that's all we really have time for today okay, yeah, um, absolutely. but it was great to have you on the show
1: yeah it was great talking to you cat mm-hmm.